Hello and welcome to the Profiting from Data podcast. Today's episode features an interview with Toby Dayton, President and CEO at LinkUp. Toby is one of the veterans of the alternative data industry, having started his company 20 years ago. On this episode, Toby talks about the history of his business, the leading attributes of successful vendors, how his clients use employment data, lessons learned over the years, future predictions, and much more. Please enjoy this dialogue between Toby and your host, Emmett Kilduff. Toby, welcome to the show. Thanks, Emma. LinkUp has been uh, in the old data space for a long time. It's a successful and sophisticated business. Has it always been the case? Uh, to some extent, it, it, uh, it has, but I would say we've got kind of an unusual um, and a long history. You're right. We've been in the human capital management space for, for uh, about 20 years now. So it, it goes quite a, quite a ways back. And it is uh, sometimes when we get into the, the origins of the company, we raise a few eyebrows with our, our data clients. Uh, actually, our legacy, our first business model was uh, multimedia recruitment advertising. So we've been in the employment space for 20 years, but it started out as a uh, print, web, radio, and TV uh, multimedia uh, classified business, uh, helping employers find uh, qualified candidates. And we actually... Uh, for for quite some years, we actually printed newspapers, if you can believe it, uh, which, as I said, sort of raises a few eyebrows, probably from some of our data clients, uh, and is, you know, makes me feel uh, really old, and probably comes across like I'm 110 years old. But we actually were printing free weekly jobs newspapers in in uh, and distributing them on the streets uh, in cities around the US. So for that was uh, that was the origins of the business. And it uh, it is luckily we've we've uh, evolved way, way past that. But it certainly is. I, I think it speaks to the, the longevity and the and the uh, really in a lot of ways, the deep domain expertise we bring to our data business, having really understood uh, for a long time uh, what it means to uh, help companies find candidates and understand the job market, labor market, and and now getting yeah. up the data side of things. So talk us through from a high level, you have a 20-year journey from uh, uh, handing out newspapers to being one of the employment, uh, leading employment data sets uh, available to to, uh, to data buyers. Yeah, today. it's 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 a story, you know, it is obviously having been in the business for a long time, and it's, it's, it's something that it, we, we have evolved uh, quite a bit since then. But we really, back in, in that era, in that legacy business, we were really competing on on quality, competing against, you know, first daily newspapers, and then uh, later the, the job boards like Monster and Career Builder. And quality was really the metric that we we were competing against those very large companies. And when we started to see that employers were increasingly posting job openings on their own company websites, because of the quality uh, that we were really focused on, we instantly identified that as the future of, of recruitment, advertising, and job postings. And so we started scraping jobs directly from company websites. And that's really the origins of the business. So it's LinkUp is really building this gigantic database of current active, uh, real job openings from real companies. And that really differentiated us. And so we started building up that uh, that database of, of job openings. And in about 2009, Right in the teeth of the Great Recession, we rolled out LinkUp uh, as a pay-per-click recruitment advertising job search engine. 
And so we had enough critical mass at the time. And we were sort of operating our legacy business side by side with LinkUp. And very, very quickly, in fact, our first revenue streams were in data. We had this very unique, very high quality, uh, accurate job uh, database and and uh, attracted the attention first in the human capital sector in, in the HR space and the online job space. Uh, we were uh, started selling data feeds to job sites who wanted much higher quality, much larger uh, database of job openings. And so for years, we were powering some of the largest job sites on the web and, and even to this day are powering very large uh, job sites uh, around uh, the world and, and powering those with our data. So that from from the very beginnings, we were in the data business. Uh, we uh, started out uh, uh, as well with some recruitment advertising. So that's part of our business that we maintain today. And again, continuing to help employers uh, fi- find qualified candidates, but the data business has has really grown since then and has become a, a, a major part of our business from, from the very beginnings. And having gone through that whole journey, um, what today uh, would you say are the key attributes of a really good, strong, uh, data business and data set. Yeah, it, it's a good question. I think it's we've been really we've been really lucky to have this really unique data set, and I think in in a lot of ways it starts back from those origins of of being you know having these very high quality uh, job listings. They're accurate. They're real time. Uh, they're updated daily, so it's a high frequency. Uh, we've because we've been in this side of the business for a long time. We've got a long history. There, so the data set goes back to 2007, actually. So it it gives our our clients and and uh, buy side firms the ability to do some really rigorous back testing there. Uh, and we've just grown and evolved over the years uh, to have a I, I think a a very strong, compelling uh, data set. And it really, in in a lot of ways, the the key attributes for us is that the it's very forward looking there are a lot of really strong predictive attributes because a job opening when an employer posts a job on their company website it's an indication of an intent to make a future hire so it's very forward looking by default so that gives us some uh, a, a quite a unique uh, power there in in terms of the value that the the data provides for companies and and buy side firms who are interested in understanding what's going on within within an employer within a company? I think uh, since that time too, we've expanded. We do the data set is global. Uh, we've got about 130, 140 million job records all time. It is global. Definitely an overweight US, but it, it it's it's expanding rapidly to be very much of a global data set. So those are some of the things, and we you know, we can dive into some of the details around some of the use cases. I would say that in you know, early on for us, what really got us into the, the capital markets uh, business in, as an alternative data provider early on was we started um, using our data. We built a forecasting model to predict non-farm payrolls back in yeah. 2009, 2010, when the focus was on you know, when is this jobless recovery of the Great Recession going to end? When is the economy start going to start bouncing back? And we figured we had a pretty interesting data set. So we built a model, started issuing non-farm uh, payroll forecasts and saw really high correlations there uh, between our data and job growth in future periods. And that's really what attracted 
the attention of of some Wall Street firms. I got a call from a, a guy on an FX desk in in uh, New York who one day uh, called me as I was writing my non-farm forecast blog, non-farm payroll forecast blog, and he said, "Where's your forecast? I need it." And I said, "Literally, who is this?" And what? What, what, what are you? I didn't know I had any readers on my blog at the time, and and so he said, uh, he said actually you're part of my model that I use. We've got we trade our biggest trading day is on Jobs Friday, and it's the highest volatility, highest volume day. And he said I've got 50 inputs into my model, and I won't put my trades on without your forecast. And so I was taken aback, had no idea that anybody cared at all about our forecasts, yeah. and. So I, I gave him the numbers and then I said, can I, if I'm out next time in New York, can I meet with you? And he said, absolutely. So this was back in literally in 2010, 2011. And uh, so we sat down and he said, no, your, your data is really good. I've had my team look at it. We've looked at your state data, your, your macro roll up, and it is really, it's, it, there's a lot of value in there. And so that really was our first sort of window that this, there might be a whole new data market for us with this data. So we, Put some, uh, did some research. We commissioned a study at the University of Minnesota with the Center for Financial and Actuarial Mathematics. They they quantified those correlations, found very, they quantified those high correlations. And we started basically just sort of walking around uh, firms and, and, and trying to figure out if this thing was real. We got picked up by Bloomberg and, and included in their non-farm payroll forecast, their monthly survey of economists. Uh, had a nice track record. And so that started to give us some visibility there. And that really, even to this day, macro continues to be a, a, a pretty major use case for us. But that was really the origins of the business. And then um, in about 2014-15, we started building uh, a, a product that was really custom tailored for essentially buy-side firms. Uh, we partnered with a uh, a terrific firm called Smart Market Data, uh, and uh, who helped us really customize and do some things that we needed to do to get the data set ready for um, it, specifically into the capital markets, reference data, um, you know, some file formats, different kinds of things that we had to do that were in this sort of new market for us. So uh, that was a big step. And then very quickly, as we started to go to market with uh, our raw data set, our raw data product, it, the traction uh, was was uh, significant and very rapid uh, in terms of being able to get into this. And then obviously that's where our history, you guys at Eagle Alpha were terrifically valuable for us early on. And you know, I feel like we were sort of there at the earliest stages of, of the industry before it was even an industry. And it was, uh, you know, a lot of credit goes to, to you and, and everyone at Egolfa for being a huge part of our uh, success that we've had. Well, it's been a pleasure to, to work with you on that journey, um, Toby. Um, so if one of the earliest examples was at a macro level, thinking about uh, predicting non-farm payrolls, um, what other use cases at a macro level uh, were there, and maybe uh, more recently with COVID, um, what what macro cases are, are are there today? Yeah, that that really, you know, that that it's 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 interesting how it has really come full circle in in exactly that way. You're right. It is. Um, I think it back in the Great Recession, what we started to see really is is the macro use case was starting to see 
as the economy started to unlock, we started to see very significant demand start to emerge in uh, essentially long haul transportation as the economy was starting to unlock. And uh, we could see literally just the, the openings there. And so that, again, gave us a sense and confidence that the recovery was uh, that was about 2012, 13. And, and so we started to, we were very early on predicting the recovery and the, finally the end of that jobless recovery. In a lot of the same ways, those, that, 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 um, the insights we had back then were really informative uh, to us uh, again this year, unfortunately, with, with uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic and, and the massive losses. We were pretty well, uh, job losses. We were pretty, well prepared for understanding what kinds of things to do with our data to really look for those key signals. And in this case, and it was, you know, there were obvious, some obvious differences to uh, what we were seeing back in the Great Recession to, to this year, but um, the, the immediate and steep decline, as everybody knew right in the middle of March, it was just, it was steep and dramatic. It was just unprecedented. The amount of job losses that we were seeing in our data, the number of uh, job listings that were coming down off company websites as, as de labor demand just literally dropped to zero. But then uh, really as, as uh, through the lockdown and as states started to open up, what we were looking for, which was really interesting, was uh, at a macro level, but but also at very much of a state level. You could literally see the variances between states as certain states had different protocols and lockdowns and different uh, responses uh, to to the pandemic. You could see that in the data. It was it was really stark. And so we had uh uh, needless to say, and, and as you well know, uh, you know some so some of the great conferences you put on in in sort of April and May and June, uh, we started to really see some uh, huge up, uptick in demand for our data because of the insights in terms of what was going on as things were not just by geography but also by uh, industry and by occupation, uh, sort of how the economy was starting to get back to uh, you know some kind of a recovery mode it was it was really a, a crazy period of time and and still is to this you know certainly it's we're not out of it by any stretch but that the immediacy of the shock there was um, created a pretty uh, significant demand for our data set it was it was yeah. a busy time and then that that that's that was talking about macro if you make it bring it down to more micro use cases sticking with the asset management vertical for the moment um what are some of the sort of the more more examples about the stocks specific stocks or sectors that your clients are using your data for yeah it's 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 really interesting it, 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 there are a lot of different kinds of use cases and we've got clients that are uh, the quant firms quantum mental fundamental um and it, a lot of different sort strategies going on and it is uh it extends across asset classes we we've got use cases in equities um credit uh, macro we talked about on on the stock on the stock and individual company side it really is it, it, job openings are a great window into what's going on in a company it's it is just an it, it is an amazing window into performance up and down and and again that forward view you can look at um, and gain insights through job openings into growth momentum, expansion, strategy, uh, R&D, 
mind job descriptions for uh, key skill sets that they're looking for, uh, geographic expansion, product extension. You can look at within larger companies, you can look at where they're overweighting uh, by brand or by product line or by segment. You can gain insights into sort of where they're seeing results. And the performance too is not just, it's positive, but it's also negative performance. So we have as as, as many signals and use cases on the upside as we do on the downside, which is what sort of segues into uh, some of the work around credit and, and particularly now distressed credit and uh, predicting layoffs and, and bankruptcies uh, and, and just distress and, and uh, decreasing growth, essentially. You can see that in terms of when you track labor demand and what's going on at companies. So there are, there are a lot of use cases uh, around equities at an individual company level that are, we're seeing clients that we know are using, those, uh, using our data for all of those different kinds of use cases. Um, in certain cases now, as we continue to expand, you can um, increase. We're seeing a more and more sophisticated use, particularly around some of the mining and the job descriptions and the NLP work and, and machine learning. Uh, there's just a lot of different uh, use cases around around that. And then beyond the company, it rolls up to a sector level, geographic level, and then all the way up to a macro. So. There are uh, there are a lot of different kinds of use cases around on that for for buy side firms. Very good. And moving to the private equity vertical, how how do they use your data in different ways to asset managers? Yeah, it it, it is it is it's it is one of the uh, one of the newer emerging uh, segments of our client uh, base, and 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 again, give you a lot of credit for really helping bring that about in in a lot of ways. It's been um, it it has been a growing uh, part of our our use case uh, array. We see really two primary use cases for private equity. One is on the due diligence side. So private equity firms are looking and evaluating uh, specific companies or sectors for, for um, you know, due diligence and analysis of that. I, that. That's a significant use case. The second one is just deal flow. And they're looking for ideas. They're looking for uh, sort of breakout high growth uh, companies before anybody else has seen them. And, and you can, and, and they're looking for, depending on where they are in the investment cycle from sort of early stage, seed stage, all the way up to more established, uh, they, they can use our data for signals for some kind of breakout growth um, that that companies are experiencing. And, and depending on, again, their investment thesis, that can fit very well with identifying new investment opportunities in the, in the private market. So if I'm a private equity firm in the US, um, how many companies are you tracking um, in, in total uh, that, that could be as part of my deal origination process? Yeah, so we have total, from a total standpoint, we've got about, there are about 60,000 companies in our universe on any given day. There are about 20, 25,000 companies with at least one active job uh, on their company website. And then of that, we've got, uh, I would say from a private standpoint, it's, it's probably about 10, 10 plus thousand uh, private companies in the US. We do, we do index jobs from uh, public, private, nonprofits, government employers. So we've, we are covering essentially employers of all types, but private is by far the, the largest number of just sheer number of, of companies in the data set. 
And how, how granular is the data tagged, Toby, uh, if I want to know um, consumer companies in three states yeah. um, that uh, have just gone from 50 people to 100 people within a six-month period? Can you, can you solve for that? Yeah, we do. So we, we do, we tag a lot of different uh, additional supplemental data and information to the, at the job level and at the company level and then some other information as well. So we do append to it uh, industry information. We tag that. We've got at the job level, it's occupation codes. So we use a standard um, taxonomy, the SOCONET taxonomy for occupation codes. Um, so you can get very granular uh, views into really sort of micro niches of the labor market, uh, depending on what it is you're trying to trying to look for. Very good. And then switching to the corporate vertical, um, uh, you know, I know you have a lot of corporate clients. Mm -hmm. and you've, uh, human resources um, is a key uh, customer or department. Can you talk us through uh, some examples of their use cases, starting with human resources and maybe then uh, broader to other departments around big co corporates? Yeah, good question. It is, it, it, and you're right, exactly. The biggest use case within the enterprise, within corporate is is definitely HR and, and human capital. And that, that continues to be a massive over for obvious reasons. Uh, we're working with companies to really gain insights into uh, workforce, workforce analytics, uh, workforce development, um, a lot of work around that skills assessment uh, internally and externally. So we work with companies for their internal assessments and, and their existing human capital, but we also work with them as they're trying to think strategically about the future needs of their organization, where they are benchmarked against other companies, what kinds of skills, where they're competing for talent. Um, so we've got tons of use cases around uh, helping very large companies. For example, uh, we did some work with Chipotle, for example, who was competing in the fast casual space and having a hard time filling certain positions. So we did a lot of benchmarking analysis against their competitive peer group. Um, we've worked with uh, banks that are trying to figure out how they can be more uh, successful in attracting talent in, in technology and engineering jobs. So there's a lot of internal work around essentially workforce and, and human capital management and, and uh, a, a, a ton of work going on on that side of things. Beyond the HR department, we, we also are seeing a wide number of use cases in, in corporate and it extends really across uh, and throughout the enterprise. Um, in, in operations, we work with and have some corporate clients who are using our data for um, Man monitoring their supply chains and the risk factors in their supply chains. So uh, in one case, we're working with, uh, for example, a, a very large aerospace company that's got a just enormous supply chain and we're working with uh, them and providing them uh, uh, data uh, so that they can essentially monitor uh, the health and and uh, risk factors around their supply chain. So there's some operational uh, aspects to a risk and compliance uh, in the uh, sales and marketing is another very significant area. We work any anybody that is essentially um, interested in uh, selling to or working with other. Uh, companies B2B, essentially B2B sales for companies that are hiring. So uh, we can essentially provide data and insights. Uh, you know, a good example is uh, staffing 
staffing firms and uh, that are trying to sell and market to large companies who are hiring. We obviously have a great data set that helps them understand where to target their sales and marketing efforts. Um, so lead generation, we also work with, um, because of the job descriptions and the data in job descriptions, uh, you can mine that for insights into uh, what's going on within an enterprise, what their technology stack is, for example. And so there's a lot of insights into uh, specific technologies that companies are using in their uh, within the enterprise and companies are using and mining that data for that. So there's a lot of sales and marketing use cases. And then, lastly, in the in the finance group, we are we we uh, are working with corporations in uh, M and A activity, very similar to sort of the private equity space. They're they're looking for uh, due diligence or deal flow, or looking for competitive benchmarking, those kinds of things. Um, and then again, we're back back to the macro. Uh, working with uh, finance groups who are forecasting. And, and obviously we work with very large companies who are uh, uh, very interested in what's going on from a macro standpoint. So again, there's it's one of the themes that we see as the alternative data space continues to grow and evolve. Eventually, the you know, the and, and again, we're in a, I think a very fortunate, unique position that a lot of those use cases blend between the capital markets and asset management firms and corporations. Those use cases are continuing to be almost indistinguishable from from one another because yeah. uh, it, they just they're so they're 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 just uh, very powerful signals that that are used applicable to lots of different kinds of uh, interested parties. And, and is it also applicable then to uh, the government vertical? It is, although government, you know, it's been kind of an interesting one. We we have we don't we don't have as many clients on the data side of our business. We don't have as many government uh, customers and clients. Uh, we do on the on the candidate sourcing uh, side of our recruitment advertising side of business. Government is a is a, is a very significant uh, client segment there. But on the data side, it's it is uh, less so, and and I think mostly because we we still are a fairly small organization, and those are those are longer sales cycles. They're a little bit harder, and we've had a lot of success and a lot of traction in the private sector. So that's where we've continued to focus. But certainly, the use cases uh, for government are uh, applicable. Where we have had some success is is working with. Um, you know, workforce development and, and analytics around essentially at a geographic level, helping them understand labor demand um, in, in a variety of different ways. We built a, um, a an analytic that measured the labor demand, the diversification of labor demand uh, within a geography, and we score cities uh, in the U.S. And so those kinds of use cases, I think, are really uh, interesting. We A lot of our academic research that has been done has got some very significant use cases for, for public policy and government. So we know it's a very strong use case, but it's been one that we've tended to focus more on the academic research side uh, than, than in terms of generating actual revenue on that side of the business, on the government and government segment. That's a wrap for this episode of Profiting from Data. Thank you for listening. This podcast series is brought to you by Eagle Alpha, the pioneer in alternative data. To learn about Eagle Alpha solutions for data vendors and buyers, please visit eaglealpha.com.